guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the greatest show. (laughs) All right, all right. Oh, to start us off, I want you to think of a, a time that you either had like this really cool um, costume or you went trick-or-treating or you went to the trunk or treat. Um, there's my plug for Saturday. I just want you to think of a really cool costume that maybe you wore or your friend wore. There was this one time my mom and I had the best idea for a costume. I don't think you're ready to hear this. So I was a bag of jelly beans. This was so cool, okay? I was just in, like, a regular outfit. I had um, a plastic clear bag. We cut, like, leg holes and arm holes, blew up a bunch of little balloons, stuck them in there, and, like, it was, I was set five minutes to go to, like, the bus stop. And I look at my mom, and I'm like, how am I supposed to pee in this at school? You know, it was like when you can wear them to, like, school, and she's like, I don't know, it was such a chore to actually get it on. And I'm like, getting it off and getting it back on during the day was just not gonna happen. So honestly, my mom and I were the only ones that experienced that costume. No one else has ever seen it. So it was really sad, it was really sad. Um, But I'm gonna take a guess when you think of like different costumes for trick-or-treating and whatever, um, you think of that like maybe a classic devil costume looks like the red outfit with the tail, the horns and the pitchfork. And this is what culture has taught us um, a little bit about what the devil is like, right? Um, And I think it's difficult today to figure out what's truth and what's not. So tonight I actually want to talk to you a little bit about what the Bible says about the devil, um, because we don't want to be ignorant about him either. And that's why um, tonight's sermon is called Knowing Your Opponent. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober and be watchful. The your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So when you open your heart to Jesus and make him the Lord and Savior over your life, you gain an adversary, or sorry, we're going to start with the advocate, (laughs) and that is the Holy Spirit, and he helps you live for Jesus, right? But you also gain an adversary, and that's the devil, and he wants to harm you, and he wants to make sure you really don't um, live your life for Jesus. So we have now entered the spiritual battle. Surprise! Maybe you have not heard of this, but it says in Ephesians 6, 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in this heavenly realm. I did have that up there. So when I look at this, I kind of like get a little like, whoa, this is a lot. It's kind of scary, right? Um, but Paul is saying here that, one, our battle is spiritual and not physical, right? It's not against flesh and blood. Um, so all, honestly, the enemies that we face are not people, even though sometimes it really feels that way, right? Um, The devil may use these people as part of his attack, um, but we shouldn't be lashing out at people, our enemies. I mean, the Bible does say we need to love them anyway. Um, But truly, they are not the real opponent. Um, Sin is. Uh, We also need to know that we can't win this battle in our own human abilities, so let that be kind of a sigh of relief. Like, oh, I don't have to do this all by myself, even though sometimes I really want to. Um, But that's where our advocate comes in. He helps us. And we should also be prepared as a believer for all types of attacks, and we do that by being aware of them um, and putting on the armor of God, which we will get to in a little bit. I'm good, I'm good. 
<laughs> Can't you tell I'm a little nervous? Whew. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we have an enemy, and if we're going to stand firm against him, we need to know who we're up against. So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, our enemy, like what he is and what he isn't. Um, so I thought I'd start with talking about what he is not so we can get some stuff off the table. Um, number one, he is not uh, omniscient, meaning he is not all-knowing. Uh, God, on the other hand, he knows everything. He knows what did happen, what could happen, what will happen. And the enemy, okay, we'll give him this. He's crafty and deceiving. But he doesn't know all your thoughts, and he doesn't know the inner workings of your heart like your creator does. So let that be a comfort to you. The enemy is also not omnipresent, meaning he is not everywhere at once. Scripture makes it very apparent that the Lord is everywhere, and there is nowhere that you can run from him. But we find out in Scripture that, well, the devil, he's roaming to and from the earth. Well, if you're everywhere at once, you don't need to roam the earth. Also, he is not omnipotent. I know a lot of O words tonight, but meaning he is not all-powerful. He has been given great power, emphasis on the given, um, but it is nowhere equal to God's, and he must seek permission from God before he can do anything. So remember that the devil is still under the control, under the authority of God. So what authority has he been given? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about who he is and what his tactics are and that he uses against us. Satan in Hebrew stands for adversary or opponent. Um, do you ever look up what your name means on those like weird dictionary websites, you know, and you always hope it's something cool. Does anyone have a cool, like your name means XYZ, something fun? What's your name mean, Jordan? No, okay, all right. <laughs> so my name just means like youthful. And I'm like, well, that's lame. I want it to be like mighty warrior. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, all right, like something cool. So youthful, I don't know. That's not going to mean much in like 40 years. But anyway, we are first introduced to um, Satan in Genesis 3, known as when he is deceiving himself as the serpent, right? So you can read along with me if you want. But it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So I think we know how the story goes. Eve eats the apple, she gives it to Adam. Adam eats the apple, they sin, their eyes are open, they're cast out of the Garden of Eden, and now we live in a fallen world. Thanks, guys. Um, but we also see some key ideas of Satan in this passage, right? First off, we see that he's a deceiver, right? He disguised himself as a serpent coming to them. He also likes to twist God's words, right? He goes, did God really say, certainly you will not die? Um, and he is tempting them to go against God's command um, and therefore to sin. So right off the bat, Genesis 3, the third chapter in the Bible, um, the, we are seeing that he's not really a great guy. Then we see in the Greek, the word diablos or devil means slanderer or accuser. I think one of the best examples is in the book of Job. 
Um, I don't have the scripture up, but a quick recap of this book, right? God and Satan are having a little conversation about this guy named Job. He lives a faithful life. He's pretty blameless. And Satan kind of makes this bet with God. He comes up and he says, yeah, okay, so Job, the only reason he loves you and follows you is because you have protected his life. You've given him all these good things. I bet that if you let me like take away some of those things, he's not going to love you. So God's willing to take that and say, okay, I will give you permission to do X, Y, and Z, and we'll see what happens. So in this story, we see that the devil is able to accuse. He's the accuser. He likes to charge us um, and hold our sin over us. Um, he wants to make us feel shame and guilt for what we have done. And we see that he accuses Job that he's really not a true follower of God. We also see that he afflicts, right? He afflicts pain, um, not only emotional and spiritual, but sometimes uh, physical. So Job's possessions were destroyed, his children were killed, and on top of that, he had like these huge boils all over his body. Like just the thought of that, just like think of having acne, all over your body, but like 10 times like worse, and they just, they're sore, and they ache, and it's just like, ooh. But through all of this, um, Job never cursed God, which is pretty cool. And um, coming out of this, we also see that um, only under the limited power um, that given to Satan that he is allowed to do these things, God only gives him a limited power. Satan is also a tempter. We see in Matthew 4, Jesus being tempted in the desert. Um, so Jesus entered the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and the devil showed up three times and he's like, okay, I'm going to see if I could trip, like trip up the son of man. I don't know what he was thinking, but, uh, this is pretty comical a little bit. So the first um, thing he does is he tries to get Jesus to use his supernatural power, um, for his own needs. He's like, you are so hungry. If you turn these stones into bread, you won't be hungry anymore. To which Jesus replies, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So devil's like, all right, all right. Then he comes back and he's like, well, maybe you can use your power to win a large following by um, doing a miracle. If you throw yourself down from this high place, your angels will kind of like be there to catch you and it'll be this great thing. To which Jesus answers again, it is also written, do not put your um, Lord your God to the test. Now, finally, the devil comes for a third time, and this had, like, I don't know if he was just tired at this point, but this had to be, like, the worst temptation. He's like, you can have all this if you worship me. Like, what? What? He's asking Jesus to worship him. I, I just, I don't get that. I just really don't get that. I'm like, that had to be your worst temptation there, my dude. Um, and the third time, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So um, a key takeaway from this is even that um, Jesus combats all of these attacks with scripture, and we're going to come back to that, but that is huge. That is huge. Um, also, I do, I do want to do a little plug and play here. Temptation is not a sin. Um, the point is to which it becomes sin is when you willfully submit um, to uh, submit to that temptation. So the devil uses... Um, Yes, he uses scripture. Okay. Uh, the devil uses a variety of attacks to cause us to sin with the ultimate goal to get us sidetracked. The devil does not want to see you worshiping God. He doesn't want you spending time with God. He doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you um, worshiping. He doesn't want you reading your Bible. He wants you to be selfish and angry and deceitful, and the list goes on. Truly, he wants the worst for you, and that's kind of scary. 
Um, and he will use a lot of things to sidetrack us and take our heart away from God. And it's usually never like right in your face, like, oh, this is the devil tempting me right now. I know it is. It usually comes in like the small things and the cracks along the way. So it can be, um, uh, my mind is just blanking right now. Uh, in possessions, it can be in money, it can be in idols, right? Um, putting whatever you are doing to put uh, um, other things above God. Uh, it could even be pain, it can be doubt, and sometimes guilt. Again, that list can continue on as well. Um, John says it pretty pa- plainly, and I kind of it's kind of funny. Um, he's talking about the devil here. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Way to put some emphasis on that, John. So there's, there's just no truth in Satan. There's nothing there. He's a liar and he is a murderer. So, all this to say, yes, we have an adversary, and he is real, but that's not where the story ends, and in fact, we actually know what the end of the story is, which is pretty cool, and that is that Satan has already been defeated um, by Jesus Christ, by his victory on the cross. Uh, Jesus triumphed over Satan through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and only through him and the spiritual weapons that he provides can we be successful in this spiritual battle. So I didn't come up here to just tell you all about Satan and so you can feel like, oh my gosh, um, and just feel this great burden. In fact, um, we want to think about now the armor of God. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. Um, also, um, Ephesians 6.14-17 ta- us, takes us through um, the different pieces of the armor of God, and I wish I had time to speak about all of them right now. Um, it's so good. I would encourage you um, to go back to read your Bible. Um, maybe you have a study Bible and there's some notes underneath there, um, but these, this is how we fight spiritual battle. This is how um, we go up against temptation. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows from the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. James 4, 7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Um, What does it mean to submit to God? Well, when you submit to something, you're usually surrendering, giving something up, right? And often what we need to do when we submit to God is give up our own will and what we want. So just like we talked about how the devil wants the worst for us, well, God wants the best for us. And he knows the inner workings of your heart, right? And he knows everything about you. So when he wants the best for you, that's pretty exciting because he really knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. So we should want to submit to God. And maybe that's just praying and asking God, what what do I need to submit to you right now? What are you asking me um, to do? And maybe it's not always giving something up, um, but just taking that to him in prayer. The next part says to resist the devil. So how do we do that? Well, We kind of talked a little bit about that already, right? So resist comes from two words in Greek that mean to stand and to stand against. So number one, we want to be aware of his schemes, Um, right? And we we did talk about those. He deceives, he accuses, um, he tempts. We also want to rest in the spiritual armor that is given to us. 
And that goes back to our verse in uh, Ephesians, right? So um, praying through that, um, looking through that, um, studying it and meditating on it and just asking um, God to help you and to equip you in those times of attacks. We can also combat with the authority of the gospel. And this is my favorite because if you have been saved and you know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior over your life, you can stand firm in that truth and claim it over yourself. Um, You can claim that same victory that Jesus claimed, right, when he defeated um, Satan. Christ triumphed over Satan because so Satan no longer has a hold on him. He no longer has a hold on you either. And that's pretty awesome. Um, if you don't know if you're saved or maybe you're thinking about it and you're just not really sure, I'd, I'd encourage you to talk to a small group leader, talk to a friend that brought you. Um, we're not going to like try to push you in any sort of direction, but we just really want you to know the truth, um, the truth of the gospel that um, Jesus loves you, that God loves you, um, that he sent his son to die on a cross, that you may be set free and have eternal life. And the third part, as we wrap up here, um, talks about... Um, the devil will flee. So most often, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that we will have trouble in this world. So he, he will flee when we come up against him in, with the armor of God, um, with scripture. But he will return and tempt you again. So it's this ongoing battle, but I want you to be encouraged that you were never conquered um, you are, again, he has no authority over you. So as believers, um, we have been given an opponent and an adversary, right? But we have also been given an advocate, and he is the one that will help you live for Jesus, even when it's difficult. He is the one that will bring scripture to your mind as you're going through things. And that's why we think it's so important to read your Bible. So... um, He will equip you with the tools and the armor to fight your battles set before you. And I want to encourage you to keep reading your Bible. Um, We often talk here about 10 and 10 every day, spending 10 minutes in the Word of God and then spending 10 minutes in prayer. And the more you get to soak in um, in the Bible and meditate on God's Word, the more the... um, the Holy I also want you to know that this is not a battle that you're going to do alone, right? Everyone's going through a battle. Um, it might, it can probably look 10 times different than yours. Um, but that's why we gather here at Apex and on uh, Sunday morning church, right? Because you're surrounded with the body of believers that love you and want to encourage you um, and even weep with you when you're going through difficult things. So um, I want to encourage you that you're not doing this alone and Um, If you are saved, you have that Holy Spirit living inside of you that's going to help you and encourage you through this as well. So I want to pray with us tonight as we um, end here before we go to small groups. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that um, you have met us here tonight. I thank you that um, you have sent your son to die on the cross for us because you loved us so much. Lord, I pray that um, as we go through everyday life and the temptations of this world arise and the devil will come for us, right, because you said that we would have trouble in this world, I pray that we would be encouraged um, from tonight's uh, message, Lord, that we would be now aware of the different attacks that can come at us. We would not be caught off guard, um, and when they do happen, that we would be able to bring scripture to mind. We would be able to talk to the body of believers that you have surrounded us with, and that you would help us um, 
to overcome in your victory that you have already set for us on the cross. We thank you so much that um, you have met us here, and I just pray that as we go, that we will continue to keep this and uh, meditate, it, meditate on it in our hearts. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Jesus.